Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Down the block, Andrew John. Inside for Elba. Elba will score. Elba will score. Newcastle and won. G'day guys, welcome back to the Rugby League Guru Podcast. If you haven't had a listen already, we had our review from the Kangaroos World Cup victory over Samoa in the final yesterday. That's a podcast before this one. If you'd like to go back and have a listen to our live reaction of that, we'll have plenty more coming throughout the day on the World Cup. And of course, we'll sit down with Kempi a little bit later tonight. Timmy Williams will be joining us as well to take a deep dive into the Rugby League World Cup final. If you haven't had a look yet, last night on YouTube, the latest episode of the off-season dropped. Uh, myself, Jackson Hastings, and Maddie the Waterboy talking about our favourite test matches ever. Uh, this is obviously was done about mid last week. This is before Jacko obviously joined the Newcastle Knights. So there is a little bit of a chat in there about him being a West Tigers player and whatnot. But that was obviously recorded before. I think the vast majority of you understood that. We went through and we picked our two favourite test matches of all time and discussed those big moments and the big players that were part of those games. Now it happened to be that 2006 got a really big feature. We each picked two games randomly and I picked the 2006 Anzac test and then just by fluke, uh, Jacko and Matty both picked two test matches from later on in the year from the Tri-Nations in 2006. A pretty wild year of international footy. I've cut that clip up for you guys here. The rest of it is obviously exclusive to YouTube. You can go over and watch it there. Type in Rugby League Guru into YouTube. You'll get it there. It's the most recent episode. We're going to also have this week, I think we're going to take a deep dive into the Bulldogs and the Penrith Panthers. Their best 17 for 2023. So all that will be on the YouTube there as well. If you are a podcast listener, always appreciate your support here. Make sure you go over to YouTube, subscribe Subscribe, and you might find yourself enjoying some of that content. The off-season stuff with Jackson Hastings is some of the best content I believe I've ever produced, and there is plenty over there, including our latest episode, our two favourite test matches of all time, which is available now. I'll hand it over now so we can have a chat about the season that was 2006. I'll tell you what, boys, what I loved about the last few weeks, real nostalgia vibes of getting up in the middle of the fucking night. Yeah. 
to watch a game of rugby league on a soccer field with the circle on halfway mm. and everything, it really took me back. Yeah, it, it actually, I was thinking about that on the drive here, knowing that we're talking about uh, World Cups and Test matches and, and great games of international football. One, you, we want to see more of it. We want to see more tours, whether that's England coming to Australia or New Zealand or um, even countries now like Tonga and Samoa going over to England and playing these these tri-series or uh, standalone test matches. I think we, we really need to push for more test football. I'm sure we're all in the same boat. I remember getting up with my stepdad when I was about 10 years old and watching Australia and New Zealand go play tri-nations, obviously, over in England and listening to English commentators and, as you said, on the small in goals and, and soccer pitches and things like that too. But to see what the World Game's done and, and how much traction it's got over the last sort of couple of weeks, we definitely need more of it. And I'm sure um, all countries will push for that. I still remember, and we're going to talk about some classic test matches, one we're not going to mention, but I still remember getting up in the middle of the night, waking up, dragging yourself out of bed watching that game, and then Adrian Morley kills someone. Killed Robbie Farrell, not Robbie Farrell, Robbie Kearns. Was that seven seconds? Yeah, seven yeah. seconds, and you go, oh, fuck, I'm up now. Yeah. What am I going to do for the next 79 minutes and fucking 50 seconds? But, yeah, crazy scenes. Now, each of us went through and we picked our two, or well, two of our favourite test matches of all time, and... Being the three pelicans that we are, we had 100 years of test match football to fucking pick from, and half of our picks come from the one season, 2006. So Two from the same tournament, actually. Yeah. Two from the same yep. tournament. Me and yeah. Matty teamed up. <laughs> Idiots. 100 years to pick from, they picked two in three weeks. Just ridiculous. <laughs> Thankfully, me, I really broke the mould here, and I went about four months earlier, and that's where we're going to start. <laughs> the Anzac test of 2006. Um this game, obviously a blowout game. I think the Kangaroos win this one by 40-odd points or something. But this game, for me, I'm also remember it because of the players that featured in this one. And, you know, you have a look through this side. I'll, I'll just read you through the starting lineup for this team because it is, it is amazing how many classy players were in this side. So at fullback, Carmichael Hunt on the wings. You had Matt King and Tamana Tahu. In the centres, the great St. George pairing, Mark Gaznia and Matty Cooper. Darren Lockyer, he lined up in the six as the skipper and his halfback in his final test was Andrew Joey Johns. Up front, Willie Mason and Petro Sevenasiva. Danny Badiris, who we didn't know at the time, but this was his last test match as well. Uh, in the back row, Luke O'Donnell and Nathan Hindmarsh. Uh, ben Kennedy at lock, also in his last test match. And then on the bench, Marco Mealy, Steve Menzies, Steve Simpson, and of course, another handy little player, Jonathan Thurston in his <laughs> debut game. Now... Just to give you a bit more insight into these team lists, Jonathan Thurston was the 14 on the bench. His opposing number that night in the 14 for the Kiwis was Benji Marshall. So it was his second test. It was Thurston's debut. But, you know, some pretty special players coming through. The lock forward for the Kiwis that night. You want to take a guess? No. SPW. Oh, yeah, in the yeah, middle. Playing at 13, yeah. yeah so yeah. Uh, pretty special. A heap, of the, a heap of, you know, great players in this side. Very young guys. Then a couple of old guys absolute legends of our game and as I said this Anzac test uh, you know 50 to 12 I think it was people forget though that with about 30 minutes to go Australia was only up by eight and then Joey just went bang the other thing that happens Carmichael can't the I just did it you can't cut that you can't cut that how good Oh, I can't tell you how many commentators I've watched get that wrong and giggle oh, up. Oh. How good was that? That's good. <laughs> Special K I'll be calling in from now on. How good. 
Keep rolling, Matty. Keep rolling. <laughs> sorry, sorry. We're all here. We're not stopping. We're not stopping. We're not stopping. Special K uh, at fullback. Now, he gets injured with about half an hour I'm to go crying. in this game. <laughs> so he comes from the field. They bring Jonathan Thurston on. He jumps into 5'8". <laughs> Darren Lockyer, he jumps into the fullback role. So for about 30 minutes of football where they win about they win that 30-minute period about 30 nil. You got Joey at seven, Badiris at nine, Jonathan Thurston at six, and Darren Lockyer at one. Uh unbelievable. And the show they put on was incredible. Yeah. Crazy stuff. I would have killed to watch those three play more test matches together. Obviously, there was so much talent around six, seven, nine, one. Well, there has been for Australia for decades. Obviously. We were sort of talking about it. It was a couple of those boys' last tests. I think you mentioned Bedsy, mm. Joey, Ben Kennedy, people like that. Then they just get swapped with Cronk, Smith, Slater, people like that. So it's amazing how much depth Australia have had in the in the key position. Oh, and in the, just the whole the whole squad really throughout the um, throughout the years. But my favourite moment of watching those test matches was seeing all these fantastic spine players get jumbled around and put into different positions just to fit in. Like Joey played a lot of games at hooker to fit in other people. Obviously Thurston on the bench uh, went on to be one of, if not Australia's greatest ever six. And then you had the other bloke that's probably in the conversation, Darren Lockyer there, mm-hmm. went from six to one. So, I mean, the amount of talent that Australia had, you can see why the scoreline was what it was. But, um, yeah, the two fourteens is pretty cool to see Thurston and Benji off the bench for their respective countries and then go on to forge their careers and the amount of test matches they both played and the legacy they left behind is um, a pretty cool storyline within itself. And when you watch this game, and I would highly advise if you're a rugby league nerd like us, I'll actually put it in the uh, in, in the comments or whatever. There's a uh, there's a clip on YouTube. It's the entire game, the entire telecast from the start and the opening scene is the bus, the kangaroos bus going to the game. Yeah, that's cool. And Matt Johns is sitting with Andrew Johns talking about the game and they're talking about, you know, you've got Joey saying, oh, you know, we've got young Carmichael Hunt playing his first game. We're going to make sure we take <laughs> care of him. He's a, that's enough, boys. That's <laughs> enough, thank you. One of the great ones. Uh, there's also a moment there where Matty Johns says to Andrew, oh, this is your first time ever playing um, Sonny Bill Williams and he talks about how Sonny's going to, you know, be going at him all night, how he's going to deal with him and... You know, it's crazy to think that only two years later it was a Sonny Bill tackle that ended the career of Andrew Johns. Yeah, obviously a horrible, inc- yep. unfortunate incident that um, sadly ended the career of one of the, the greatest players, if not the greatest player of all time, someone that we all admired. But it's funny how many storylines that you've just mentioned that have come out of that game. You, you always look back on, on past games and, and stuff and when you dissect it the way that you obviously do, they call you the guru for a reason, although you can't get people's names right. Um, <laughs> well, I call myself the guru anyway. <laughs> how much like history and how many things come full circle and mm. um, I actually didn't know that Sonny ever played in the middle too, so that's one, that's one that um, I didn't know. I'll tell you what else is really interesting about this game and you know I, I knew the score off the top of my head, yeah, and yep. when I re-watched it, it's, it's like 30 seconds to go and it's 46 or 44 to 12. And I know they score one more try and the Kangaroos have got the ball right on halfway. Joey takes it down the short side and he just he makes the fullback follow him and he kicks it 50 metres back across field, puts it in between the sticks. Do you know who scores the try? No. Darren Lockyer. Oh, cool. So it's sort of another little storyline there where Joey goes from being the guy in this team 
And as much as Darren Lockie was already the captain, Lockie was only the captain because Joey was injured for so much of time before that. Mm. It's sort of like a changing of the guard moment where Joey kicks infield a perfect kick, very similar to what he did for Anthony Minocello in that game. Yeah. Uh, Darren Lockyer scores. And from that moment on, it's sort of like the Darren Lockyer show, Thurston comes into the team. Yeah. Only a few months later, we get to the Tri-Nations, which you boys will talk about soon. I'm not sure why Danny Badiris missed that. I think it might have been his wedding or something. I think there's some storyline to that. Cameron Smith comes in, plays the next 50-odd tests in a row or something. Not a bad replacement, that. Oh, mate. And I'll tell you what, you talk about the guys in this team, you know, your Johns, your Lockies, your Thurstons. Go back and watch this game. I reckon Danny Badiris has a 10 out of 10 game. I I think uh, Betsy's career gets sort of not underrated. He's definitely not underrated. He's one of the greatest hookers of all time, hands down. But... He he was probably the greatest, and then and Smith comes along and has the career that he had. That it's hard to argue that he's not the best nine of all time, if not up there with one of the best players too. So, I mean, the respect that I certainly have for Betsy's career, being a New South Welshman first and foremost, but what he did for club, state, and country to play alongside Joey and um, I, I know why his service was so good because Joey would just get into him. It and, had to and, be, yeah, yeah. But like I never saw him throw a bad pass, and the bigger the game, the better Danny played. I remember when Joey come back uh, for that Origin game. I know we're going a bit off topic here, but Bedsy actually was probably man of the match if Joey doesn't play too. And they obviously were in sync when Joey caught it off the right come back. And I've never seen it before. Half actually passes back to Hooker to score. And you know what's crazy? In this game, they try and do the same play, but a back rower gets in the way. No way. Yeah, you go back and watch. I was watching it today. I almost fell off my chair. I watched it about three times. <laughs> a back rower gets in the way, and you can see Joey's a bit pissed off, and he just hands it off. Joey never um, showed his emotion, so did he? <laughs> never. <laughs> well, mate, you should. Like, that's the other thing. When you're watching this game, as they're coming off at half time, they're up by about eight points. They yeah. probably should be up by more. And you can just see as they're running off, Matt Johns is talking, and in the background, you can see every single person in about the 50 metre run to the tunnel comes and asks Joey. How am I going? What should I do? But and he's just telling each of them what to do. And yeah. these are, you know, these this is Petra Seven Receiver, Willie Mason, like some of the great players coming to Joe. And you, and you can tell he's pissed off. He's not being polite to any of them. Yeah. He's spraying all of them, telling them where they need to be, and blah blah blah. It's fucking unreal. And if you do get to watch this whole clip on YouTube, the chef's kiss, Phil Gould does one of his speeches before oh, it. The best ever. Right, it's unreal. I don't care what anyone says. When the best part um, about watching Origin, well, I was a kid. I don't know about you, Maddie. Yeah. You were a kid too when yep. when Phil Good used to go out there with his expensive suit and it was pissing down rain. Oh, was the best. And he'd deliver one of the all-time speeches. And no matter what people think of Gus, oh, I think he's a champion. Always had time for myself. Um, if I ever needed help with my career in terms of how I was playing or a bit of honesty, he would, he would always be there to give it like he would be for a number of players. Like he, He's been outstanding for the game, a great servant and, and doing great things at Canterbury. But... Just when he would go out there, and I knew it was the final message, is that what they used to call it? And then Gus was walking, and there was a slow-mo dramatic camera. It was raining at Suncorp. <laughs> but I remember at school, like, we'd be just as keen for that so as the me. game. You knew you were going to fucking lose the game, so you might as well enjoy yeah, Gus's speech. Exactly right. Yeah, but the best the one like the what you were saying, when New South Wales were, were really no hope of winning, quote-unquote, when he would say something like, if New South Wales were to win this, which is long odds, and then he would go on, like, as a coach, how to win. And what he was saying was spot on, but we just had obviously had to go out there and deliver it. One of the great footy minds and uh, one of the great characters too, but it still gives me goosebumps now. I hope he comes out and, and just randomly does it again this year. <laughs> oh, It'd be so good, yes. man. Even if he wants to do it before... Um a normal game even. Canterbury games Be yeah. unreal Just come out and give a little speech Yeah, just yeah don't, I, don't, I think sorry, this game Just on Bedsy Yeah um, So he was expecting his first child And he wanted to be with his fiance. But it's 
funny. The article that I'm reading is from Sydney Morning Herald, and it's the, this is the first uh, paragraph. Test hooker Danny Badiris will take the biggest gamble of his career by stepping down from the Tri-Nations for personal reasons and giving Melbourne rate Cameron Smith the chance to make the position his own. <laughs> Do you reckon he reads that every now and then? <laughs> did, did he end up playing again for Australia? I don't nope. think so, no. That's it. That's really? where it ends. Yep, doesn't play another game. He's, he becomes the captain of the Blues for a few years. He never plays again for the Kangaroos. No way. I didn't know that. See, there's so many storylines like what, what you were saying sort of off-camera, the, the passing of the guard when it went from probably one of, if not the greatest spines we've seen to arguably now the, the greatest spine of all time. Obviously, the Queensland spine was the Australian spine for such a long period of time after that. But it's amazing how they all transitioned. Obviously, um, JT was 14 and then transitioned into the halfback role. But then the way uh, Cam Smith got given his shot and talk about taking an opportunity and holding on and running with it, he ran. Ran for it for the next, what, yeah. 15 years. So, And that's the craziest thing. Like, th- this test match is the turning point of the golden era of Slater, Cronk, Thurston, all these sort of guys that came into this team after that. And it just yeah. – and it doesn't change for another 10-odd years. It's amazing. Like, when uh, when you, when I used to watch, like, the news and, like, people talking about the, the test matches coming up, who's going to be in the team, you just had four that were already that, – they just picked themselves. Mm. I wonder if they ever – like, I'd never ask them this, but – I'd love to know deep down if, as a player, you always get nervous about being selected in a team or if there's a rep team coming up, you want to be involved in it, whether you're a 15-year-old kid or, or you're a first grader, everyone wants to play at the highest level. I wonder if those four just used to like pack their bags a week before, knowing that they were going to be in the team. I know Cam was obviously captain or was for a long period of time after, after he was in the side, but I wonder if those four just... Had their own group chat. What are you, what are you wearing to the play? Yeah, what are you, <laughs> and I mate, like, and I'm sure, being the humble guys they are, they'd run with the narrative of, yeah, oh, we'd exactly. always no, wait till. Exactly. But, mate, they would have known fucking yeah, the year sure. before. Yeah, it's it, sure. such an incredible era of rugby league. Yeah. Anything else to touch on before we get into your three week bonanza that you've decided to focus on, boys? Nah, all good. We're going to wrestle over this, Maddie. You go first, mate, because you're yours the first game. What was it? Yeah, there you go. They don't yours call was about two hours before. They don't call him, <laughs> you go. They don't call him the water boy for no reason. <laughs> mate. Nah, my game's the um, Australian Great, Great Britain game at the SFS or Sydney Football Stadium, uh, the one where Great Britain actually run, won twenty three to twelve, beat beat the Kangaroos. I remember um, not long ago, uh, I was sitting over in England and there was a uh, like a mini mini series on this where Leon Price spoke about they were sitting on Bondi Beach, getting heckled by. Uh, the public obviously saying he's a no chance. He's going to get smashed by Australia. Um, this, that, and everything else. And I remember they had that sort of siege mentality where it was them against the world kind of thing. They were on the other side of the country playing against um, the world number one ranked Australian side with all these unbelievable players that we just sort of touched on. And uh, there was these guys from Super League plus Adrian Morley and that come over to Australia and... Um, I remember talking to Sean Long. I, I was doing a little podcast with a mate over in England. I was lucky enough to get Sean Long, one of the greatest Great Britain halfbacks of all time. And he spoke about the game, and it was arguably the best game he's ever played. I remember uh, first half, he'd done a, a big show and go. I'm not sure who it was on. It might have even been on, on Lockie's side of the field, and he went straight through and he put um, St. Helens' teammate Paul Wellens over, and that sort of started the rut for Australia. Um, not long after that, I think he went to show and go again on, on big Willie Mason and uh, <laughs> Willie didn't miss and, and got stuck into him. And then uh, Willie and Jamie Peacock, Matty, got into a bit of a yeah. one of the all-time stinks in test footy. Mate, I was, I was actually at that game. That was at the, um, what did they call it back then? Aussie Stadium. 
Aussie Stadium, yeah. It'll always be the SMS, but I think it was Aussie Stadium yeah, then, oh, yeah. yeah. Man, I was I was I think that was the first ever test match I, I um I went to and Willie Mason, it was weird. A couple of weeks before that, my grandpa or something ran into him at the fucking doctor or something and he rang me saying, Oh, I'm next to Willie Mason. I was what? It was two thousand six, I was in year six, I was a kid. And Willie Mason talked to me on the phone and then suddenly Willie Mason was my favourite player. Yeah. And then that happened. <laughs> Yeah, it's one of the it's one of the all time moments because Sean Long's about uh, if I'm being fair, Incan probably five five nine, yeah. tiny, yeah. long blonde hair, very elusive, good show and go. Had a mad left foot kick. He kicked the field goal later on in the game to to ice it. One thing I noticed about English halfbacks, they can all kick a ball, like whether it's left foot, right foot, field goal, whatever it is. They've just got this unique art of being able to kick a football. It's Surely it's got something to do with the amount of like the amount of people that would have played uh, yeah. um, soccer when they were yeah, kids well, and whatnot. Yeah, well, football over there, yeah. I'll, I'll respectfully say how they call it. They <laughs> oh, they all grow up playing it. But yeah. the one thing I noticed, even like the props can juggle a, a soccer ball or a football, mm. as they call it, so good. Like they've got good touch when the ball comes to them. It's, it's pretty mad. But um, Longy had a fantastic game and he was partnered in half by Leon Price who killed it. James Roby off the bench. Like They had a good St. Helens uh, contingent of players, but... Um, to beat an Australian side on home soil for, for Great Britain is a massive deal. Um, that's a huge rivalry for them. And being lucky enough to say I've played for Great Britain myself, the history of what the blokes like that done before all of us now that have been given the chance to play for them, it's a um, pretty special test match and, and one that um, I get to obviously look back on and see how good they went too. So. Well, it was their first win in Australia since 1992. Wow. Yeah, it was, huge. It, was, it was massive for him. The way you hear Leon talk about the test match, like as I said, he was sitting at Bondi Beach, he says, and just getting heckled by uh, the media. First and foremost, we know what the Australian media can be like. We're getting rinsed and they just kept the receipts, kept the receipts and um, they didn't do much talking, obviously. They, they didn't have the runs on the board to do the talking, so they went out there and they performed and um, to be the star-studded Australian side on home soil is no easy feat and one that they all talk about now as one of their uh, most memorable games. Now, in the game that I mentioned, which was a few months earlier, the two 14s were Thurston and Benji. The two, 13s, uh, the two 14s in this game, Cameron Smith, James Roby. Yeah, well, over in England, uh, James Roby's rena- uh, arguably the greatest player to ever play for England and arguably the greatest ever Englishman. If, you, if you're going on achievements and longevity, games, uh, leadership, toughness. I had the honour of obviously playing against James Roby. I wish I got the chance to play with him, but um, phenomenal. Just signed on another year at St Helens. I think this is his 20th year. I think he's already played over 500 games combined. I think he'll go close to 600 if he stays healthy and they go for a fifth grand final run. Um, He's been the captain of four in a row. And as you said, like they call him the English Cameron Smith, which is a fair rap too. So uh, for those, it's just so many good storylines in international football, but phenomenal player and, and right up there with one of the best I've played against. Your old man wouldn't have, wouldn't have missed James Roby by much by the sounds of it. Yeah, I know. <laughs> oh, yeah, James Roby's been playing since 1908 by the sounds of it. He's, he's played for all sorts of teams. But um, if you if your boys actually take an interest in watching Super League this year, which I'll be on your case about, getting up in the morning and watching, yeah. James Roby's pass off the deck, and I mean, age is only a number, but for someone to be able to do it for so long, his pass is so clean. Like that, like you got to remember they're playing the first sort of eight weeks of the competition. When you go over there, you learn about how you actually have to play. So in Australia, you can play that brand of football where if you want to, you can zing it in any month that you play. Whereas over in England, that first four to six weeks, it's usually boggy, pissing down rain. You've got to remember that you actually sweat even though it's raining. So the, the condensation and things on the ball makes it hard to grip first and foremost. So any contact under the ball... 
it's probably going to come free. But his concentration and fitness, he'll make 40-odd tackles, but his service from the first minute to the last minute with his tight spiral out of dummy half is, is phenomenal. I don't know if he's done any work with some rugby union nines over there, but uh, that's one thing that I did notice. He gets through all the, the shit work that you don't see, will tidy up, make them tackles where you put your head where you don't want to, dive on loose balls, but his service is... He's second and none would be up there with yeah some of the cleanest passing I've seen too. So got a massive rap on James Roby for sure. One thing I just noticed about this Kangaroos team too, and I'm trying to think who would have been the last person. It's been a while since this would have occurred. Jamie Lyon, he was playing centre. He was actually picked from St Helens that year. Well, there you go. Like St Helens, one of the greatest clubs in the mm. world. Uh, we get to see Pembroke first St Helens in the World Club Challenge this year, which is which is great. We get to get that back, and obviously Saints have won four in a row. Pembroke have been to three grand finals in a row, so it's sort of a legacy game for for both clubs. But yeah, Jamie Jamie Lyons um, when he went over to uh, the Super League and come back. If you ask anyone, not only from St Helens but in England, they'd put Jamie Lyon in the conversation with anyone for greatest overseas import. So. The impact he had over there to obviously be playing for St Helens to then get picked in Australia is a phenomenal feat too. And I don't know how many people would have done that too. We obviously got the rugby union. They had the law where you had to play in Australia to make Australia. They've obviously changed that now. But I don't know how many people would have went to Super League and then come back and been able to play, get picked for Australia. He's um, He should have been in the underrated uh, conversation about four weeks ago we had. He was... Unbelievable. Yeah, he was a special player. Unbelievable. Special player. I was uh, I was just having a look. Obviously, I see Cam Smith was on the bench. Can you name the starting nine? Oh, Have you got it, Matty? I've got it in front of me. Berrigan. Yeah, there Sean Berrigan. What a fucking season that was. He he was a centre halfway through the year. I think he played Origin at centre. Mick Ennis gets injured. And Wayne Bennett goes, fuck it, I'm going to play my centre at hooker. And he won a Clive. Yeah, yeah, that's the year the Broncos won the comp, yeah, wasn't it? Unbelievable. Yeah, he he could play literally, he could play anywhere, couldn't he? And he wasn't the biggest bloke, but he had such a good IQ for the game. I remember, like, yeah, as you said, he could play centre, never looked out of place, speed wise, strength wise, athleticism. Then he'd play in the spine positions, and his his footy brain must be out of this world for him to be able to adjust as well. Because centre doesn't matter what era of football, you have to be able to move, you have to be able to score tries. In the halves, you need to be able to control the team and stuff. And for him to be able to then go to nine and get the, the balance right between physicality, endurance, skill, speed, and then to obviously go on and win a comp, but then get the Clive with the teammates he had, go. You, I'm sure you got the team. Oh, mate, I've there. got something that you won't believe. Yeah, go on. So Sean Berrigan, 2002 Origin Series, he plays three games at 5'8". 2003 Series, he plays three games at halfback. 2005 series, he plays three games at centre. 2006, he wins the Clive Churchill at hooker and he's the Australian hooker in front of Cameron Smith. It's fucking fair, unbelievable. It's a fair resume, really, if, oh. you, if you think about it. Because like, some people, like you, you're lucky enough to play one origin game at not even your chosen position. Obviously, there's so many good people. But to play three of the most important positions on the field for three games in three series in different years, sorry, pretty phenomenal effort. I think that 06 season as well, like, just as far as Sean Berrigan goes, I think it's one of the most underrated coaching moments of all time, yeah. what Wayne Bennett did. He moved his centre to hooker, and he had Carmichael Hunt, who was this young gun at fullback who was setting the world alight. People forget he moved Justin Hodges to fullback yeah. the week the final started, and Carmichael Hunt went to the wing. And I'm not sure if you remember, but there was that, that the game to get into the grand final. Canterbury's leading by a mozza at halftime. And then Justin Hodges comes up with this unbelievable play to get them back in it. They make a huge comeback in that game. It was actually Sean Berrigan that scored that try. He was like upside down in the yeah, corner at yeah. the SFS. Crazy stuff. Really underrated moment by Wayne Bennett. Made a cracking game there. 
yeah, unbelievable. And just on Berrigan, like the to win the Clive and with the teammates he had, like yeah, some of the, yeah. like that's that's one of the underrated teams of all time. That that two thousand and six Broncos side, like they've had some great sides, but. And for Wayne to move him from centre to nine, there's a reason. There, there's coaches and then there's unbelievable Im- immortal coaches. And that's why they call him the super coach, the master coach, Wayne. Uh, and I'm pretty sure there's a story with that 06 team. I think they lost their last six games or something coming into finals yeah, or right. they, they were on a shocking run and then he just managed uh, to completely t- t- turn the entire thing on its head. Yeah. Now, Matty, three weeks later, there's another good game in this uh, Tri-Nations. Do you want to take us through that one? You know what? I don't even think it was three weeks late. I think it was a bit less than that. Shock me. But, um, yeah, so this was, it was November 4th was, was your game, Jacko, and then this was the final on November 25th. So <laughs> cast your mind back. That was – this is the Tri-Nations 2006, right? <clears throat> Excuse me. The year before that, Australia lost the Tri-Nations to New Zealand in the final. They got pumped like 24-0 or something. So Australia were – like it, it was going to be one of those series where they didn't want to lose kind of back-to-back, but – this 2000, uh, 2006 final was at Allianz, and it just it started with um, a bit of ill discipline from both sides, a couple of penalty goals. I think um, the New Zealanders were trying to rough up Lockyer a bit, and um, there's a couple of, like, not fights, but scuffles. Um, first try of the game was a long-range effort. They went to Gaznia, who found space, drew the fullback and put Brent Tate over in the corner. Go on, Ray Warren. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just giving you the facts, mate. Uh, <laughs> then another scuffle and we and Australia go up 10-2. So there was, I think, three penalty goals in this game. And uh, that try that Australia scored was the last try. Like that was in like the 10th minute, I think. And they don't score for the rest of the regular uh, like part of the game. The Kiwi scored a fucking sick try mm. about 10 minutes to go before the halftime break where Stacey Jones put a little chip over. Yeah. Brent Webb, pretty sure. Yeah, Brent Webb. He was grouse. Catches it on the full. He was so grouse. Regathers and then just like fires it to Frank Pritchard. The tank. Who scores on his first touch. Yeah. Um, And then what happened? Uh, Then, yeah, then Kiwis took the lead after – oh, sorry, they drew the game. It was 10 all when Vangana turned it inside for Soliola, crashed over. Stacey Jones missed the goal. And then JT kicked another penalty goal. Then, late in the game, so there's that, like, it's gripping contest. Like, barely any tries scored. Stacey Jones goes for one of his famous little grubbers, straight in front of the post, gets taken out. Penalty, 12-all. So, it looks like it's going to be going extra time, and it's funny you brought up Willie Mason before, because Willie Mason nearly... Fuck, I just remembered this. Yeah. So, Willie Mason ha- nearly has one of the best origin moments and one of the best test moments of all time obviously he he had that huge break in origin where he almost scored but he he got caught at the end and dropped it in this game and this wasn't his fault at all this was all fucking good he did everything perfectly everything everything was so good he crashed through his death set 20 seconds to go it's 12 all and he just puts this kick in and it's just perfect it doesn't look great but it's It's from about halfway yeah just perfect and inglis is firing through thurston ends up putting the ball down, but they go to the video ref and English, it, they said the English touched it, which he did. So it went to extra time. And then extra time, field goal, field goal, like no one's kicking anything. It was golden point, actually, not extra time. And then JT. Take it away, Matty. <laughs> I can't do it. But show and go inside his own half, runs the field. And then Darren Lockyer, who has just had the most incredible 2006 season, is in support, as you said, for the Hands Act test. Um and scores under the post in the 87th minute. And 
Australia win. Such a good game. That was uh, that was the first ever test match I went to, and I remember watching that first in the big windmill. Yeah, dummy, um, goes straight through. Fucking, and as you said, Lockyer's two thousand six season. Fucking crazy. That was the year where he scooped up Brett Hodgson's pass to win Origin. Yeah. Oh fuck. He won that? the grand final, kicked the field goal in the grand final, and then came up with that play in that game. And it was um, also like, and that year. He was pretty much gone from Origin if he didn't if they didn't win. Yeah, he was told this so. is it. You've got to win or you're gone. And he came up with that play intercepting that pass. Yeah, fuck. When you talk about um, Thurston in that moment, you talk about unstoppable plays like of all time. He done it in Origin so often, flying down. Like obviously he did it for the Cowboys, but in Origin and for Australia, the amount of times that he'd fly down a short side, and you always get taught as a young half to hold the ball out in two hands so you can run, kick, or pass or show. And Thurston. Probably was the first half that I genuinely saw that done it week to week. Every single game was a threat of, is JT going to run? Is he going to dummy? Is he going to grubber? Is he going to pass? And it's a good lesson for all young halves that aspire to, to be anything like him or, or want to play a similar way because it holds up in the big moments. If you've got the ball in two hands against a tiring defence in a, in a hard-fought game, you've got to remember that you're defending on edge, you're not making 40 tackles, and you're coming up against tired middles. If you've got the ball in two hands and you gain their respect early on in the game by running the ball, copping a whack, or going right into the line and passing short, it keeps that person in two minds. And uh, it's a good lesson for all young halves that it holds up in big moments. And the amount of times that I'd see Thurston show, go, go straight through, but as you said, to have Lockie in support after the year he had and, and the career he had. And he was always there, Lockie. It doesn't matter what age he was or however long he played for, he always turned up. And those two, the legacy that they had will always be that in the big games, in the big moments, Thurston Lockie would always turn up. And that's just another one of them moments. Speaking of turning up, in that game, that was the last game for a Kiwis great. It was his 55th and last test, Ruben Wickey. 55 tests, uh, played his first test in the centres. Played his first test in centres, last test in the front row. Yeah, pretty cool. Sums him up, eh? Yeah, Yeah, just what a career too. Like, I mean, one of the most uh, intimidating and and feared, like, rivals for opposition players ever. Like, whenever you you hear people talk about their most feared opponent or someone they feared the most, Ruben Wickey's always up there in conversation. Like, you always hear, um, well, personally, I always hear Adrian Morley and Ruben Mm. Wickey, so... It's a fair nod to someone um, of his of his calibre too. So to play that many test matches as well and go from one position to the other like that's pretty remarkable. Not oh, just no. sorry, not just Wiki. It was Stacey Jones' last game as oh, well. Was it? And wow. and Nigel Vanganas. Oh, it's a big three to lose, isn't it? Yeah. And shout out to Nigel Vanganas. Remember how often three. he used to play five eight? He'd play centre at club land. He mm. moved to five eight, and he would he would always match it. He had this knack of scoring a try yep. too. Just had a knack of like. Going over for a try, man. Yeah, if he was still around, an ATS would get an absolute fucking pounding from me. He always found a way. Um, <laughs> just on a uh, bit of a rugby league nerd sort of sense, I reckon the jerseys the Kangaroos wore in this series and the Kiwis ones. So the Kangaroos collar? was no sp- collar, yeah. no sponsor on the front. Yeah. They had PlayStation on the sleeve, oh, the yeah, white yeah, play- yeah. and it was yeah. just it was a pure jersey. And I reckon the Kiwis one. I reckon it's the best Kiwis jersey I've ever had. Black and white V. Red sponsor, I think it was Crisco, I think it was. White shorts. White shorts, yeah. yeah. All black, a very simple red sponsor there, but that Kangaroos jersey, there was no sponsor, no, no VB or anything like that. It was just PlayStation on the back and just like a pure Kangaroo. It was like an old school sort of Yeah, Roos bring back jersey. the collars, man. Yeah. Collars are the grouse. Like even when, um, is it the Broncos that have that retro collared yeah. jersey? They still wear it? Yeah. Yeah, the, the yellow. Yeah, yeah it's unreal. Yeah. I remember that because they slapped us in a prelim final in that jersey. Ben Hunt had a field day. But, like, <laughs> I just remember, like, it was blurred lines for me. It was, like, 
packed house at Suncorp. I was on the bench riding the bike, and I remember when they ran out and they um, had the had the big horse, the Bronco, run out before them, the fireworks and stuff. And I just remember looking over and thinking, "Fuck, they're sick jerseys." And it's always it's always randomly stuck with me. But bring the collared jerseys back, man. Every club should have a collared jersey, like it's in the kit. I remember saying this was a few months ago when Shandor was on with me and Kempi, and I remember it was the week the Broncos. Do you remember this, Matty? It was the week the Broncos wore that jersey, and I said to him, "Oh." When you've got a retro jersey like that that's got to be history to it, does it mean something to you? And they both sort of went, no, nah, it's just what you wear. It's just another jersey. And I thought, surely fucking not. Surely yeah. fucking not. For me, like, I reckon it'd be cool for whatever club you play for to have, like, one game throughout the whole year. Well, we did have a retro round, didn't we, at we one did. point? I just – I can't imagine a world where you, you playing for the Tigers if – they brought out a 2005 exact kit. Oh, Would that not mean something to yeah, you? that'd be sick, man. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But, like, because automatically you think about the players that have done it before yeah. you, and especially if, for example, the 2005 jersey, like, you automatically think of Benji's flick pass or Scott Prince's kicking game or Toddy Payton's offloads for the middle and, and stuff like that too. So it brings back, like, fond, fond memories of such a historic moment for your club, and you want to do – the club proud, but you want to do the past greats proud too. Mm. So I reckon we should, whether it's a retro round or not, every club should just be able to come up with a jersey with a collar or just a retro jersey in general that symbolises a historic moment in their club's history and you get to wear it like that year. Like I, the th- sorry, go I, I like I like what the Roosters did this year, yeah. how they had the 20-year anniversary of the grand final jersey the Warriors, and hey? they waited to the Warriors game and they had the white, the collar. Yeah, well, I, I picked that as my... Um, Remember we, we picked our favourite jerseys the other week and mm. that Roosters one and the yep. Warriors ones were my favourite too because it means something as well. Like it's historic for those two clubs. It's a historic moment in both their clubs' histories and the players, the Roosters, it was cool. It was at the SCG for one that has a special touch but yep. two, they got their jerseys presented. So whatever number the the past great war presented that to the future too. So Sam Walker got his jersey presented to him by who was the halfback? Was it Craig Wing? Yeah. Like, stuff like that. Like, Freddie got to present Luke Keery. Like, that's a cool combination of two great Roosters legends there. Like, I mean, to have them in the sheds before the game, giving you a chat, wearing a historic jersey, a historic moment, a premiership winning night for the club. I know that I'd get a huge buzz off that and there'd be one for the memory bank for sure. All right, it'll be interesting to see in 20 or 30 years' time because all the jerseys that we're remaking, or most of them, come from the 80s and the 90s when they were like... yeah. Big oversized jerseys. I reckon it'll be interesting in 20 or 30 years. Will we be making retro jerseys that are being played in today that are the same skinny sort of material? Like I was looking at the at the Dolphins jersey the other day and everyone's bagging the shit out. I'm going, fuck, it'll be interesting in 30 years' time if when they bring that back as a retro, a retro jersey. jersey. Yeah, it'll be a retro it'll jersey eventually. But be. will, will we... Will, will it be the same if they're if they're the same as these skin tight jerseys? Like, oh, I just I look at the way that jerseys were made forty years ago, and there's not going to be as much of a difference the jerseys that are made now to thirty years time compared to thirty years ago. You know just, what I mean? Just put a collar on it. Put a collar on it. Yeah, it's not just a put a shirt, co- just put a collar on it. I reckon if they done that, like I actually don't mind their away kit. Mm. I don't love it, but yeah. Oh, I, I'm. It's a bit different. Like yeah. it's. They've gone for something different and, and it's unique and it's their first year. But as you said, it, when you look back on in 20 years and if they have a 20-year reunion, if they make a semi-final or a grand final or have the, a magic moment, like I'm sure in 20 years the people that wore the Dolphins kit of the boys that wore the inaugural, inaugural kit in the first year of the NRL, I think they'll think that's a pretty cool moment. I, I also reckon I wish I could go back and ask 14-year-old myself if I liked the Titans jersey before they played a game. I've got one. Because I look back at that OG jersey and go, that's fucking sick. I'd yeah. love to know if I liked it that much at the time. you got to remember with the Dolphins too, Wayne's the coach. So 
it holds significance that it's their first game in the NRL. But Wayne being the coach automatically makes it a historic moment, obviously. But when you look back on on their team and and who was the coach, they'll be able to do something with that jersey for sure. And I was only joking about putting a collar on it. You can't just put a collar on it <laughs> and make it historic. But I mean, there will be history there, and they've got a fair roster too. So I'm sure they'll have some big games this year, like the the Brisbane, the local derby with Brisbane. Yep. I'm sure that the Broncos could whip out that kit with the collar in 15, 20 years, and the Dolphins can whip out their first ever NRL jersey. Um, and call it whatever cup It would be pretty cool Yeah It would be cool Alright we're done with 2006 Yes Wasn't there another game? I yeah, got it. <laughs> <laughs> Just one last thing on 06 Lockyer also won the golden boot And also won the Wally Lewis medal Did he? Wow Yeah Fuck, That's some year Is that one of the It'd be up there for one of the greatest years ever Well I think big years I think that versus Cam Smith 17 And that's the grand oh, final Oh yeah Yeah well, what about Boyd Cordner when he was captain of Origin Series? Uh, well, he won back-to-back NRL. Origin Series and back-to-back NRL Series. And then captain, captain yeah. Australia. And World yeah. Cup, yeah. So that's, that, oh, that's I mean, that's hard, to, that's hard to beat. Mm. Being in the team, but if you were just a, a squad player or a guy in the team for all three of them, that'd be big. But to captain mm. all three, I mean, that has to hold some weight, doesn't it? Yeah, for sure. But once again, I, we spoke about this the other day. You probably don't remember it. Like you, 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 I'm glad you brought it up, but I don't reckon most fans would remember that about Boyd Cordner. Yeah, but because like, he doesn't have those moments and those highlights, but they should because like he was obviously the first choice captain in all those teams. And if you're a rugby league fan, uh, Boyd done it in such a colossus way. Like I mean, yeah. inspirational. Like just led from the front. Had to obviously, sadly, prematurely retire from head knocks, but he'd done that putting his body on the line for club, state, and country. And you can't ask for any more. From a leader than that, someone that led with their actions rather than words. So, but it is crazy that during that year, Darren Lockyer, the intercept in Origin, scored the match-winning try and kicked the field Finals. goal in the grand final. Like, just he had a moment in each of them. That's like, that, uh, is that the biggest moment in state of Origin history? Oh, I personally think it is. It turned it turned the whole thing on its fucking head. What game was that again? Game, game three was in Melbourne. No, it was game, game three, three was it? 2006. And it was one all. That hurts. Yeah, it was one all. Yeah, yeah right. Yeah. It was down in Melbourne, wasn't it? And they were down with eight minutes to but go. But just the way yeah. it happened. Like, down in Melbourne, yeah. We probably haven't seen anything not go to plan like that ever. Like a pass not go to the mark like when that. When was the last time you saw a dummy half pass intercepted? Well, you see a lot hit the ground just purely if someone's going for a run and yeah. they're in front of them or something. But, you, yeah, you don't see too many – I don't want to jinx this for myself here, so I'm going to touch wood. <laughs> you don't see too many that go that bad – that badly wrong, do you know what yeah. I mean? Like to lead to a try. And I, I just remember sitting there watching it and obviously absolutely fucking distraught. And just because Lockie's such a legend, you like you don't want to ask the question. But if it was anyone else, I'd say, why was he there? I'm a, I'm a, I'm a blue through and through. And the only thing that goes through my head for that moment, I was sitting there with my family watching it as you do pizza, whatever, and just hearing the commentary, like Rab scream, Lockyer, Lockyer, like it. Gives me nightmares thinking about it. Just, PTSD. It's a great moment if you're a Queenslander and just an, like an out and out footy fan, but being a New South Welshman, it just it's heart wrenching, really. Just on Boyd. So I thought he was captain in that 2017 World Cup, but I forgot. I don't know why I thought this because I just said Cam Smith. Cam Smith was the captain in that World Cup, and then Australia. I must have thought the World Cup was 18 because Australia didn't really play much of a tournament. Haven't really played much of a tournament till now, actually. Like that. He played two tests in 2018 and two tests in 2019. One was the one we lost against Tonga. One was a game we lost to New Zealand. So, so yeah. he was back to back captain he was for back the Roosters captain and back to back in Origin Series. Is that yeah, right? yeah. But like, he captained Australia. But um, 
the achievements compared to Smith and Lockyer probably weren't as good as a captain in those couple of years. Yeah, still very but historical. Spa, but yeah. mate, still fucking incredible. Yeah, 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 exactly. Still impressive. Yeah. All right. Uh, I'm going to kick us off with my next game because I think I'm going to take us back pretty far here. I'm going to take us back to 1990. Uh, Kangaroo Tour over there. Um, an incredible squad. I actually remember, boys, when I was a kid, I my old man had a tape of this 1990 Kangaroo Tour. I had every single game, including the club games, and then it followed them around during the week. And yeah. Overs, unders of how many times I watch this video, whatever it is, I'm taking overs. Doesn't fucking matter, I'm taking overs. So I knew this series inside out. It was fucking ridiculous. Um, and it's it's one of the great series of all time. Uh, game one, England win that. Uh, you know, the, the, the Kangaroos had gone around and just bullied all the club sides, which I would love to see come back, by the way. Well, they, well, they kind of did it this World Cup. Madge, yep. Madge done a, uh, a special uh, game for Tommy Lillewai against Leeds, which is yep. pretty cool, man. Oh, mate, it's unreal. Yeah. yeah. And there was there was a couple of games during this series. Like, m- most of them, they smashed those teams. But there was a couple of games where they really put up a good fight. And it's the old Kangaroos and Emus. Yeah. Where you'd have the whole touring squad. You'd have the Kangaroos, the best 17. Then you'd have the next best. They were called the Emus. And they'd play on a Tuesday night, make it back to the hotel on the Friday, be ready for their next game on the Tuesday or whatever it was. Yeah. They had a great time. Yeah. Wayne, Wayne, Wayne Bennett, uh, when he was coach of England and Great Britain, he, he called it the bomb squad. So if you weren't playing, you're in the bomb squad. And Wayne's such an old school, like, great people person, as we all know. But he used to actually tell him that he didn't want to see him in the hotel um, from captain's run onwards. He said, just don't come back and interrupt the players that are playing, but I don't want to see you in the hotel. So the the bomb squad would go out. We had a couple of good leaders of that. Uh, They used to go out, have a good time, and uh, turned up with a smile on their face at game day. But... Speaking about what you said about how um, a lot of the touring teams went to England and played against St Helens and Wigan and stuff like that, I would love to see like a Four Nations or a big tournament held in Australia or New Zealand or wherever it may be and a Great Britain side or an English side would come out and play, I don't know, the Roosters or the Tigers, mm. like whatever Sydney-based club or wherever they were playing, whether it's in Queensland or whatever. Even the Warriors, if we had a test series in New Zealand, see them come over and test themselves against the NRL side before... Um, before the test matches, that'd be pretty cool and, and be a massive throwback. Yeah, be unreal. Now, I'm going to take you to 1990, game one. Really interesting storyline that people don't realise as well. Game one, they lose. Uh, Great Britain win this one 19 to 12. And Ricky Stewart, he's he's obviously the face of this 1990 kangaroo tour, which we'll talk about soon. He actually started that series at 5'8. Yeah, Alan right. Langer was the first choice halfback. Yeah. He breaks his hand in this game. So Ricky Stewart moves to seven. Um, and also. Kerrod Walters was the hooker in the first game, the first test. They moved to Benny Elias in game two. So not very often you see the Kangaroos off the back of one game. Chop and change. Chop and change, halfback and hooker. Like, pretty crazy. And to think Ricky Stewart, he goes on to, first of all, be the villain, then to be the hero of this series. He wasn't even the first-choice halfback. It was Alf originally. Uh, So pretty wild there. We get to game two, and... You know, when you think about before 1990, you had the 82 Kangaroos, the 86, regarded as, you know, some of the most successful teams of all time. 1990, a great squad as well, was meant to absolutely blitz this entire tour. They lose game one, they come into game two, and Ricky Stewart, he comes up with a play late in the game where there's a shooter, he lets him pass, and he throws another pass, and... 
I want to say his name was Lachlan. He was number 16 for Great Britain. I don't remember the... I don't, can you have a look at that, Matty? Game yep. 2, 1990, he's number 16. I think his last name's Lachlan. He takes this intercept. He scores this try. Um, it's 10 all. They've got a kick to try and take the lead. Thank God they missed the kick. So it's 10 all. Have you got his name there? Paul Lachlan. Paul Lachlan. That's a great memory from you, that. Thank you. Um, <laughs> thank God it wasn't Carmichael Hunt. The guru. Um, and... It's 10 all at that point, and then Ricky Stewart comes up with one of the greatest plays yeah. of all time. Uh, he, he takes the ball down the left-hand side, comes back to the right, he throws a dummy, he goes straight through, and there's that great, that great footage of him trucking 60-odd metres, and Mal Meninga's coming up behind him, and there's three defenders, and Mal literally shoulders each of them out of the way. And at the last second, you can tell Ricky Stewart, he can, he can sense Mal coming off on his left, and he just pops it to him. Scores a great try. I think it's one of the greatest tries in Test match history, but should also be noted, they scored another try earlier in this game. Cliffy Lyons scores it. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. If you haven't seen it, go and have a look at it. I counted it today. There's 13 passes and a kick from the sideline back into the middle. The amount of hands this goes through is simply incredible. And of course... There's a rogue kick that comes in from the sideline, and who does the ball go to? Yeah, Cliffy, Cliffy Lines. Yeah. Unbelievable. Should also be noted, Mal Meninga scored the winning try in this game. He actually scored a try in all three games here. Uh, one of his four kangaroo tours he went on, Mal Meninga. 1990, incredible. It's one all. You've got to remember as well, when it was 10 all and Ricky Stewart had thrown this intercept, if he doesn't come up with that play at the end, which was the last play, it was a walk off victory, that was it. Mal Meninga, he kicks the goal, he actually missed it, but as soon as he kicks it, the siren goes, and that's it. If they would have drawn that game at 10 all, because Great Britain had won the first game, they, it, win. It would have been a, they would win or it's a tied series. Yeah. Which, for the Kangaroos, by the standards they had then, it's a Fail. loss. Yeah. Yeah, no, that, that's one of my favourite tries in, in history of the game, let alone. Um, playing for Australia or, or a test match. Just the, the way that Ricky showed Brazilians to not get bogged down by a mistake earlier on. Uh, you've, we've all thrown intercepts off through two this year and you walk behind the line and, and you feel like you've not only let yourself down, you've let your teammates obviously down, your fans down and uh, you just want to dig a hole and, and not come out of it. You're mm. a bit embarrassed as well, but it's all part and parcel of the game. But to do it on the biggest stage and then to have the composure to, as we spoke about with Thurston, have the ball in two hands. They obviously thought that he was going to try and throw the same pass, showed, brought him up, went straight in behind. And that sideline footage that they have where it's like on a 45-degree angle where it's ground level and you see Ricky's legs and, and just big mouth come flying up on the inside. And as you said, just jockey for position or, or bully for position in, in his terms and just walk over for a try. It's one of the great sort of like redemption moments in not only international football but in football in general too. So... Uh, Ricky come up with so many moments at Canberra, but to do it on the biggest stage for Australia was um, pretty amazing achievement. And once you're done on YouTube watching the 2006 Anzac game, all <laughs> these games are on YouTube. <laughs> I'm <laughs> having a shocker today. Really enjoying myself too, which is awful. But anyway, uh, once you're done with those, go and have a look. Every single one of these games is on YouTube. And just talking about some of the great players from the Lions, um, 
on one wing, Martin Afire. Mm. I had him on my podcast uh, last year and, mate, some of the things he did. There's a game – there's a, not only a game, there's a semi-final. Scores he scores 11. 10 tri- – yeah. is it 11, 11 oh, or 10? Something it, I, crazy. I forgot. I think he scored 11 at um, Wembley maybe or something yeah. like that. Well, there's a statue out at the front of Wembley, of yeah. him, isn't there? Yeah, yeah, and there's a great there's a great photo of when he scores and he gets on his knees. Yeah, it's one of the mo- more iconic moments. Yeah, I, a great fella too, Martin Afire. He'll tell you a, a, a couple of stories about himself, which is great though. He's <laughs> fuck, he can sell a story, mate. It's like, sometimes it was like there was no one else on the field except for Martin, <laughs> the way he told it. But absolute champion, um, the halves. And if you go and if you do go back and watch this three game series, Gary Schofield, Andy Gregory. Yeah. They were incredible in this series. And uh, the skipper, the 13, the great Ellery Hamley. Oh, what a player. The Pearl. Yeah. One of the one of the greatest players to ever do it from, from either country. And uh, once again, like, sort of embracing the English way and um, being a part of the setup over there. Like, Ellery's arguably the greatest ever Englishman and, and what he did when he came to Australia for Balmain and, and stuff like that was, was unbelievable. But Gary Schofield, fantastic player. A um, bit of a pundit now over in the in the Super League, and then um, Andy Gregory, probably arguably the greatest ever halfback to come out of the, come out of the UK. So they obviously had a fair team. No wonder they put up such a great fight against Australia. And as you said with Ellery Hanley, one of the greats to come out. And as the old story in 1988, when he comes out for Balmain, they go all the way to the grand final, and um, there's no real footage of it, but he's suspiciously taken out yeah. in that game, and. Uh, it's an interesting yarn to have. It'd be like taking out, I don't know, if you're playing Penrith, it'd be like taking out Nath Cleary, I guess. Yeah. Like by far and away, their best player, the most talented guy on the field. So, uh, obviously, before we had a 1,000 cameras on the field yeah. and whatnot, but that's how good this guy was that Canterbury side had to sort him out. Yeah, well, he's the um, he's the head of the Man of Steel panel to over in Super League, so he's actually the, the man on stage that will present you the trophy. And mm. um, weirdly enough, I got, um, well... I got to play with his son, Yamila, Yamila Hanley at Wigan too. So um, I got to relate to Yamila on a, on a personal level. Um, father played for well, – a father was an all-time great of not only English Rugby League but the club side Wigan that Yamila's trying to make his own name for and I was able to relate with him. I got mm. to tell him my story about me at the Roosters with my dad and the sort of traps I fell into, not being able to handle that properly too. So, um, yeah, as we said, there's always a storyline within something and um, – He's going to be a great young player, plays fullback or 5'8", tough, brings the ball back hard and um, plays his own style too. So wish him nothing but the best and he's a great young kid. I think the other thing, just before we move off this game, the other thing I want to mention is these kangaroo jerseys, I'm pretty sure they had the names across the back. That's so cool. Eddinghausen, shoulders weren't big enough. Oh, that whole name, it was almost t- touching his elbow. It was all over the place. But just to read you that Kangaroos side, Belcher, Eddinghausen, Meninga, Daly, Dale Shearer, Cliffy Lyons, Ricky Stewart, Lazarus, uh, Benny Elias, Steve Roach, Paul Searin, and Bobby Linder, Brad Mackay. Daly. I, I used to love, like, obviously wasn't alive to watch Laurie in person, but whenever, like, I always go back and watch highlights and uh, old school games. Laurie, Laurie, the way he played 5'8", was like kind of like Freddie before Freddie in a way. Same sort of big body type, would run over you, but had the skill set to match. He's one of the, the players that I used to like love Googling on YouTube and watching how he'd play centre, 5'8", and just his combo of Ricky at Clubland was unbelievable. And, the, and in this game, he's actually playing um, out, out in the centres because of how versatile he was yeah. when he was younger. And, of course, Brad Fittler was part of the Emus, so... Uh I reckon Freddie had a few beers on the on the tour. They reckon he returned ten kilos heavier from a six week tour and had gout. Yeah, 
<laughs> Fucking unbelievable. The great Brad Fittler, he could do it all. Um, Matty, what's your game? What's your second game, mate? What do you got for us? So uh, when I think of, like, my favourite ever games, what comes to mind is 2000, and, 2000 prelim final, Roosters Knights, one of the greats. Uh, I think of 2014, game one, State of Origin. And this... If you want to watch this full episode, it is available on YouTube. Go to YouTube, type in Rugby League Guru. The off-season, our favourite test matches of all time. The full one is available there. It goes for about an hour and a half or so. An absolutely cracking chat. As we said, plenty more content coming today on the Rugby League Guru Podcast. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 